Welcome to the Global Connection, a Tel Aviv University podcast. Journey with us as we discover how TAU's academic community and friends are engaging with and helping to shape this ever-changing world. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Global Connection. Uh, today, I am welcoming Ran Tal, who is head of the International MFA Pro uh, Documentary Film Program at Tel Aviv University's Steve Tisch School of Film and Television. Ran is also a celebrated documentary film director whose work, such as his most recent film, 1341 Frames of Love and War, about the famed war photographer Michat Ba'am, uh, addresses Israel and Israeli society through a social historical lens. Other works of Rand's include What If, Ehud Barak on War and Peace, a deep dive into the life and mind of the former Israeli Prime Minister, The Museum, about the Israel Museum in Jerusalem, The Garden of Eden, about the individual meaningfulness of one of Israel's most famous parks, Gan HaShlosha, and Children of the Sun, about a generation of kibbutzim children during the early 20th century who were raised in experimental ways. Ren is the recipient of the Ophir Prize, the Jerusalem Film Festival Vogan Award, the Doc Aviv Film Festival Award, among many other prizes. Uh, welcome, Ren. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm looking forward to our, our conversation about documentary filmmaking. Um, which, you know, brings me to question number one, which is how did you become a documentary filmmaker? How did that begin? Um, wow, it's happened many years ago. Um, but um, I never thought about going to film school. It never came to my mind when I grew up. I actually wanted to be a psychologist. This was my dream, my goal, my target. And when I tried to apply to Tel Aviv University, unfortunately, my grade wasn't good enough for there. <laughs> so I thought maybe we'll try Mexico, you know, the art uh, faculty and the, the film school. And I stayed because it was wonderful for me. And that's, that's is the, this is the real story about it. No, no big dreams. What can be a disappointment led to what I view as a pretty amazing career as a documentary filmmaker. Um, and I would say I notice a lot of psychological elements in your work. Um, so you often will focus on uh, a partic particular individual and um, that individual, um, the relationship to sort of some of the wider social cultural forces shaping their life or a time, um, a particular moment. Um, am I reading your work? <laughs> at all correctly or am I sort of way off base? Do you, do you think about that a bit in terms of some of the major themes of your work? Um, yeah, I think you're right in some aspect, of course. I always try to understand, you know, history through the story of the simple people, the common people, the people, that, you know, they didn't try to organize everything, but the history of the big forces of history hit them some some days and came to the window through the window, through the door, or I don't know, through where and change everything. And <clears throat> most of the the way we try to understand history and speak about history is through the eyes of the leaders, uh, historians that try to explain to us why and how things uh, actually happened. Uh, but um, I believe and I attract to try to speak about this uh, event, what we call history, uh, bottom up, you know, to mm -hmm. try to, in many ways, to listen to the people or the documentation, this uh, 
common people left behind them, the very intimate uh, and personal one, and to try to portray, I think, emotional history. Um, because I feel that um, we, we, we cannot un really understand and say why. Um, but if we can go into the heart as much as possible to the people that actually live through these uh, events and conflict and stuff like, like that, maybe we can, get, we can understand more about why and how. Mm -hmm. um, with that in mind, sort of the bottom-up approach, it is interesting that you chose Ehud Berak um, for one of your more recent documentaries um, to focus on his life as a statesperson um, and, and his life more generally. But I've heard you say you chose him because he really sort of in a way, it's like the typical Israeli story. And so you also felt that he, his own background and story was really representative of um, a, a wider story in Israel. So maybe I could get you to elaborate on that and, and why you, you chose to do a, a documentary on Ehud Barak. Uh, before I uh, start to, to go to this project, uh, What If? Ehud Barak on uh, War and Peace, I did uh, three films about space, about location. <clears throat> not about uh, one protagonist, you know, the traditional way, the way we speak, uh, uh, we tell a story in the commentary and non-fiction films. I did one, uh, Children of the Sun, uh, the Garden of Eden, and the museum, the whole uh, deal through, through space and location and people that go through this location, walk in this location, and try to understand a lot about uh, the Israeli society, the Israeli soul, the Israeli project through this space and people. Uh, but here I try to do a different um, film <coughs> uh, that's actually try to ask in many ways the same question. It's always about the same questions, but through one protagonist. And I felt that I want to do two films. One about Ehud Barak, it uh, represents a leader, a statement, a general that actually um, play in the field of history, try to uh, make a change from, from his team in a way. Um, and Ehud Barak seemed to me like the perfect uh, person to speak about this kind of uh, philosophical, historical uh, question, but through a very, very intimate and narrow point of view. Um, and I felt that he, uh, because his abilities, his experience uh, can, can, can do that. Uh, he also, the ultimate Israeli, as you know, people used to describe what is the Israeli elite. It's not exist anymore, but it used to be in the past. He grew up in a kibbutz. He, you know, he was in a very uh, prestige uh, commando uh, unit in the army, and then he became all the way to be um, uh, the, the, the chief, the head of IDF. Went to university, uh, Hebrew University, Stanford University. Then became a politician. Um, so he, he made the right uh, way, you know, he, he took the right road uh, to become important in the Israeli uh, politics, in the Israeli history, and then he tried to play, in the, you know, in, in, in the big leagues uh, for a team. And that's why I choose to work with him. And uh, the, the second film about uh, Micha Baran, 3041 Frame of, of Love of War, it's about the guys, his role in history, is to take images for the next generation to try to understand the same kind of history. So a photographer and a leader uh, 
about the same questions that came out for the people that lived in, in Israel through the last 75 years. Okay. So like you mentioned before, these, uh, these more recent documentary films, the previous three were focused on space, but still you were looking at individuals to understand that space. Um, so it, would you say there is a particular story that you are trying to tell about Israel or, or not tell, understand maybe about Israel? through your documentaries, um, whether it is specifically focused on a figure like uh, Misha Ba'am or Ahud Barak or, or through the lens of space, but also, you know, talking and representing the lives of individuals through, through those other films. Yeah, I, I think you, um, I, you know, I, I didn't have a plan when I started to, to, you know, develop projects. But if I'm trying to look back about my my walks and my, my uh, most important part of that, I think it's really deeply uh, and desperate try to understand what is the meaning of being Israeli. What is the meaning of uh, that's uh, of course it's a question with no answer because there's so many from different angles, different uh, point of view. Um, and, and, uh, but but this is I think what what uh, moved me uh, and and make me wake up in the morning and, and go again and again to struggle with this project. It's try to understand, try to ask questions, because the history of this place is really, really fascinating, disturbing, <clears throat> uh, and have all the elements that you want um, to, to, to speak about ex experience, very, very intense experience of, of the people that lived here, create this place, believe in the place or not believe in the place, hate the place, love the place. Um, so it's so emotional here. It's not like Toronto. It's much more emotional mm -hmm. for the bad and for the worse. You know, it's, it's uh, sometimes mm -hmm. it's too much. But uh, for non-fiction uh, filmmakers, it's, it's the Garden of Eden. <laughs> <laughs> it's good material, good material. <laughs> Um, so even the title, What If Ahud Barak on War and Peace? Um, so I've, I've heard you mentioned you were inspire, inspired partly by Tolstoy and some of the major themes in Tolstoy and War and Peace. And, and so one of the big ones being sort of how much autonomy do we have as individuals to shape the future when we're in the middle of these wider, complicated social and cultural forces? Um, so it, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Like, um, how much thinking do you do about that, that theme? I think it's lead these two films, you know, I, you know, it came from Tolstoy and the question that Tolstoy asked in the late 19th century about the war that's happened in the beginning of the 19th century. And we are now in the, in the 2023 and in many ways we ask the same question Tolstoy asked with no better answers about that. Um, and of course, uh, Eud Barak, is he create history or is the product of history? And the same anyone of us can ask himself how much of our freedom it's, uh, you know, it's by the way we grow up, uh, who we grow up, our gender, or, and, uh, and the, the specific time that we have lived right now. Um, so it seems that we don't have so much to do, you know, if we're looking about the the huge uh, tsunami forces uh, 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 around us and we're just struggling. Uh, there's so much that we 
want to understand, but it's very difficult to understand what shaped this time. It's technology, uh, demographic question, economical, political, religious, spiritual, I guess, all together, but um, how to define it? I think it's almost impossible. Maybe some philosopher can do that, but it's also very, very um, difficult. But I think, especially if we think about Israel in 2023, that it's very chaotic and dramatic year in, in, in our life, sometimes I feel uh, you need to act because this is the right ethic act that you can do. You don't know if you're going to lose or gonna, you're going to win uh, and what will be the result of, of the act that you uh, decide to take. But if, it's a, if you think about it as an ethical act, then it's much more simple to, to go out of, of your house and do something. Okay. Um, we don't know what will be the result. It's, it's too complicated. It's too big. There's so many uh, different forces from all over. Uh, so the ability to act without regard to the outcome. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's a powerful approach for you. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I know that the story is never ending and we don't understand the story and we continue to speak about the same story over and over and change the meaning of the story. It's, you know, it's so powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why it's in, I think in, in, in very... Uh, dangerous time like this time we need to ask ethical question and not a practical question mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. do you find that you are often asking ethical questions um, not only to help you frame the story of a documentary film but but during the making of a documentary film too how often do you are you faced with even you know in the editing room um yeah, I think it's it's uh, everyday questions that came out. I think, um, <clears throat> especially in art, there's so much ethical question you need to ask yourself when you're doing what you're doing. And if you're going to a uh, documentary cinema or non-fiction cinema, it's even much more in front of you all the time because what we're doing, we're using other people's lives to tell the story as we understand that. So... The reality out there is just, uh, you know, this is the subject, this is the materials in a way that we use in order to create my, my our own um, interpretation, point of view, and, and, and etc. So we have much more responsibility to the materials than many, uh, maybe other media. Uh, so the question, uh, the ethical question needs to be there every day, every cut you're doing. I I'm, I'm think there is no manual they're going to tell you what would be the answers but if you ask the right questions i hope the answer will be better um so almost every film raises a lot of uh, very very important and and, uh, and interesting and dangerous uh ethical questions okay. now in 1341 uh frames of love and war um Am I, am I getting that correct? Um, yes, 1341 frames of love and war. Sorry. Uh, Misha Ba'am um, had, well, he has a huge archive of photography that you went through. Um, but what I found really interesting is that later in life, Ba'am um, said he no longer believed that photographs had the power to change the world. And I, I was curious what your, your thoughts on that 
that statement is. Any of my, my films, especially the style that I walk, there's usually a huge collage. So in the end, it's many pieces that I, can, I bring together to a, one story or one structure or whatever. So I, I choose to use by um, saying that, to put it in, almost in the end of the film, um, because first of all, it's represented by um, um, biography. You know, you came here to... Palestine, Israel, in the late 30s as a, as a German Jew that ran away from the Nazi regime and then he became, transformed himself to totally Israeli, identified with the Israeli project um, and start to take the images from what happened here. And he did do it with so much emotion and he felt uh, devoted to, to the project, to, the, you know, to what's happening here. In many ways, it was his identity, um, and I think that's what made him so such a great photographer in, in many ways. Of course, he's talented and everything, because he wants to take the best image he can, almost dying during taking pictures, in a way. And when he stopped feeling that way, he, he decided to stop, you know. He didn't want to take any, any more um, images. It's kind of sad, tragedy in, in a way. Um, but this is the way I choose to put in order the, the Baham story. But there is many people in Baham family that disagree with me about why I stopped filming. Okay. But I thought that this uh, interpretation about these specific questions uh, bring the film to kind of ending in, in the background of the film. It's not just a photographer. It's not just a great uh, photographer. It's a photographer that is... Um, is our dealing with, uh, uh, first of all, uh, the question that photography uh, bring to us. It's about memory and photography. It's about memory, photography, and trauma and post-trauma. Um, and also the intimacy between him and his wife, Orna, and how it's um, involved all, the, all this together. And of course, in the background, but it's a very important background, it's the history of the state of Israel, the and all the conflicts and the violence that Micha went to see with his camera and then came back home wounded in a way, even he didn't get any shot or something. Uh, and in many ways, maybe it's it's represent um, our the, the history of all this place, this neurotic uh, and some people say post-trauma uh, nation in a way. When you are working on a project like that, um, how much of the story comes out after? And how consciously are you going into a project, you know, knowing, so so with Misha Ba'am, knowing his life, knowing his work, do you have kind of an idea of the story you'd like to tell um, beforehand? Or is it really through the conversations, through looking at his visual work, that a, a story starts to develop for you? Yeah, there's no major plan in, in advance. You know, I came to Micha Baram because they're looking for a great photographer, as I told you, after Barak. And uh, I, I knew, of course, Micha images because he's, he used to be the most famous uh, uh, photojournalism uh, uh, in, in Israel. And um, But it took me uh, one or two 
meeting with the Baham uh, uh, family. And when they took me to the basement, to the archive, they opened the door, I felt that this is the place I want to stay. This is the place for me because I'm like a fan, so I have a fetish to archives. And I decided to stay without knowing what to do. Um, so it's just a process. I, usually I record my interview, you know, like we're doing here, but without the camera and everything and much simple equipment. Mm -hmm. uh, so the first time I opened my, my recording uh, uh, on the, on the, in the kitchen of the Ram family, Ona just took a chair and joined the party. And I didn't plan that, but 15 minutes later I understood she going to be one of the heroes of this film because she's so fascinating, she shot, she's so smart, and she brings so much to the table. Um, so it just happened. Um, and after another, uh, the way it's developed, uh, after a week or a month, I don't know, when I stay in the archive and try to understand the archive, you know, it's half a million negative slides and everything. Um, I thought that it would be wonderful, it would be 100% based on the archive. I, I don't want to shoot anything by myself. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I approached to Baram and, and pitched them about the idea and they accepted it immediately. So it was wonderful because for me, then the uh, cinematic aspect started to develop as well, not just the story, because I, I understood that I can do a film that it will be 100% through the eye of the protagonist. You know, he saw everything. He was there with his camera, with his Leica. He decided it's important enough to raise the, the camera, make the frame, and freeze the moment. So it's a recording of a thought, of a mind in a way. And usually in cinema, we cannot do that. It's not, uh, you know, literary or stuff. We don't know what you think right now, what do you feel right now. Right. We just can, you know, the camera capture your image, but she cannot capture what you think right now. But in this film, I could have some ideas about what he thought because I have the frame that he decided to freeze. So it was like a present for me. And then, you know, a lot of this kind of decisions came through the process and through um, one and a half year of recording dialogues and uh, voices uh, and uh, conversation between me, Micha Orla, and the kids, um, Nimrod and Barak. And and digging in the archive, try to understand what is the image I can find, scan, bring it to my computer, and then try to organize all these huge collages as a, as a story. So it's a totally uh, process. It's nothing in... in I, I have no idea. I have some ideas, but not too much ideas before I start a project. Okay, okay. Um, given that the way you work on a documentary film. Um, so it is a, a process, you know, that you just sort of get into and it sounds like it depends on the subject matter and the approach can change. Um, is there an underlining theme? And I might even ask a wider question. Like for you, what is the significance of documentary filmmaking? What do you mean by, by that? Can you be more specific? So, um, I, I, I just want us to sort of zoom out a little bit. So, you know, you've talked about the, the process you went through for making this film and, and the creation of that film. Um, You're asking why? Why? Why do you do it? Why uh, do you do it? 
I don't know, actually. I really, really don't know. It's a, it's, 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 it's a passion. Um, and I don't think we need to understand everything. I think there's a lot of vague, not in focus areas that it's very, very interesting. And maybe we don't know to understand everything. And I think also about piece of art. If there is a piece of art that I can... That usually what I like, it's uh, in many ways it stays enigma I, because if I understand everything, then I put it aside and go to the next su subject. But it's, if the, this contains a lot of questions that I don't know the answer and, and maybe the, the artists don't know the answer, then it's become much, much uh, deep, disturbing, sometimes uh, cheerful, sometimes sad, sometimes happiness. I don't know. Uh, but it's, it's, it's become more emotionally and le less about data and summarize and, you know, it's not an Excel. So the question why, it's, it's, it's a very important question and I ask myself all the time, why? You know, I finish a project and then start it again to push uh, this rock again to the, you know, to the head of the mountain and why? And it's so difficult um, emotionally, economically, uh, whatever you want. and um, Maybe a different, I'll reframe it a little bit differently then in terms of what, what's the most rewarding part of documentary filmmaking for you? I think um, to me, I've been so uh, lucky to be able to do so many stuff and learning so many different fields. You know, I, I shot a film in the... Um, Forensic Institute in Israel. It's one of my early works. So I spent two years there study this very disturbing <laughs> uh, profession. Uh, or I'm doing about the, the Garden of Eden, one of the most famous parks in Israel. Have you been there? I haven't. So you should. It's a very Israeli, very Israeli uh, spot, not for tourists. Um, and, and then it became for a question of landscape and landscape architecture and how landscape architecture came with history and politics and it became a very politics question. So, and of course, so every film uh, allowed me to read and, and learn a different subject. I'm not expert in any of them, but I know a lot about, I'm, I'm, I know uh, not too much, but on a lot of, of uh, um, fields, uh, ideas, and so on. So I think it's, it's interesting. So I can imagine I want to uh, turn to a, a slightly different subject, um, but you're the, the head of the International MFA in, um, in documentary filmmaking. Um, so I'd love to hear, I can imagine a lot of students come to your program with lots of different ideas in terms of the type of documentary filmmaking. Um, they'd like to do or what they enjoy. Um, so can, can you tell me what the youth are up to these days a little bit? Uh, it's hard, really, because uh, we have students from all over the world, different age, and I, I guess it would be not fair for them that I will put them in one bag. So any one of them is individual. And uh, um, I think the commentary cinema, it's uh, much more free than, than, than fiction one because there is so many ways to tell the story uh, there is so many um, manipulation or, uh, you know, uh, a language, let's say, that's developed in, in, the, in the commentary uh, cinema style and history that they can use. So it's confusing for them. Um, 
and it's take a lot to to learn this language. Um, I think if I will try to answer some of you uh, of, of the question, uh, people of this generation maybe deal a lot with themselves. It's it's difficult for them to go to the others. You know, politically they want to be there, but to be to go and really be there and learn and understand and become one. Or, of this um, different society, different uh, subculture. So it, I think that I found them, I found it very difficult to, for them and I'm quite sorry about it because part of the history of nonfiction cinema is to bring new voices to... Uh, so, so much happening in the last 25 years that uh, make it a little bit more difficult. Even you need to ask yourself, are you the one that need to you know, to give the voice for them or they need to have their voice. So there's so much happening in this identity politics that's also um, make it uh, a little bit difficult. So people much more try to understand themselves and sometimes it's a bit too narrow. Okay, okay, okay. Well, that's part of, I'm sure, the work that you and the um, the program does as well too, right? Is it? It's a one-year program. No, so it's a two years. It's a two years. Sorry, it's a two-year program, and so they have some time to sort of learn the trade of documentary filmmaking and learn about the historical approaches and contemporary approaches that yeah. people take. Um, do you, Do you want to elaborate because yeah, you know yeah. much more than yeah, I yeah, do about the program? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, very important. That's why we are here. Um, the, first of all, we don't want to tell them how to make a film. You know, we really, really believe that anyone can teach us as well. We can guide, we can have our own experience. I'm talking about the whole teachers, but in art, you can also have a freedom to challenge everything. And, and, and this is the beauty about it. And we, we, and if we want to help them, we want to help them to do their own films, not ours films. So what I, uh, when I create this uh, program with some of my friends in, in, uh, in the film school, uh, we wanted to do, to create uh, like a stage, like a room, like a space that people that's really interesting in nonfiction cinema can come and speak and think and practice uh, nonfiction uh, cinema in a very, very serious and deep way. And this is what I like to do. I don't want to control what will happen in, in this uh, laboratory or so. I just want to create the conditions that something beautiful and interesting and disturbing will come out for that. That's what I'm doing. Um, you know, I have also a magazine that's uh, critics in documentary uh, cinema that I'm not want to control nothing there. I just want to create the frame, the stage, and and hope that something interesting will come out for that. And the students uh, have like three workshop of directing if we became more <laughs> with more details uh two on uh, photography two workshop on editing one of research uh, one workshop on how you write a script in nonfiction cinema uh sound design um uh, how to go from script to production um also uh, anthropological uh cinema meeting with Israeli directors, meeting with um, international artists like in, in, a, in a master class. And also, we really, really believe that our student, it's not about technical, how to operate the camera, it's about thinking. 
so it's very, very important for us, the theory part of the, of, of the program and, and they have two seminars and one class about ethics. We spoke about ethics. Um, so it's all together, I think and believe it's a very, very rich and um, uh, very interesting program for students that really, really want to dig into non-fiction uh, uh, cinema. They study two years, but the last semester they can go home to their own country and work about the final project from in distance with us. Okay. Okay. Well, it sounds like a very expansive program. Uh, lots of different opportunities to sort of expensive. take it. E expensive in terms of you're not really, there isn't really a very specific way that you have to go about it. It sounds like once students are accepted, they really have the freedom to develop in the way that they're going to develop um and they're lucky to have you as a mentor too so i hope so <laughs> you yeah. need to ask them about it <laughs> <laughs> i have a feeling i have a feeling i know thank you thank you and thank you for your time thank you